You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. It really, really isn't a, a huge secret. What I wanted from Scott, and we talked about a lot, was incremental progress. And so what Scott and I had talked about is we needed to get to a bowl game and not a backing into a bowl game, minimum of six games. And so if we could win six games and get to a bowl game, then we could sort of revert back to you know, his original contract. And, and so we'll, we'll release those. We're not going to appeal uh, this. I thought it was um, important and more of a sort of an HR type of personal improvement deal. Obviously, the judge uh, viewed it differently. So we'll, we'll be releasing that uh, in, the, in the appropriate time. But uh, I thought it would be fair on, on the show tonight to just make people aware. Um, that's the extent of what those metrics look like is um, I, I wanted I wanted to see improvement, and I thought it was a minimum level that we get to a bowl game and win at least six games. And welcome here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Stephen M. Sipple. Um, as you heard, the metrics released from Athletic Director Trev Alberts here this week. We are on the bye week, so no game on Saturday. No media access to the program this week as well. So uh, we talked to players and coaches following the game, but uh, really the big news that kind of moved the needle this week in our opening headline segment here was Athletic Director Trev Alberts on his monthly radio show on the Husker Network. You heard the snippet there. Uh, USA Today went at Lancaster County. Um, that the, the metrics were not made public record. Uh, they keep track of, of all that data. Uh, Trev Alberts and the university lost the case in Lancaster County Court. They have to release the metrics, and uh, Trev released them on the radio show right there. Sip, what, what did you think of the metrics? Did anything about the metrics blow you away? No, <clears throat> no, I do think it's informative, and it's. I mean, I what you I if I were a fan, my takeaway wouldn't be all Frost had to do was win six and get to the bowl to retain his job. I didn't hear that. I mean, I heard that was a minimum requirement for him to keep his job. I don't, I don't think that would have necessarily got him another year. Frost it feels funny to be talking about this because he's already fired. So, uh, <laughs> but I will say this too: Frost requested that um, there be metrics, and you know that, that's the most interesting thing about it to me. Frost wanted there to be metrics. And that's probably indicative of some level of, I mean, there might be some trust issue in that conversation a little bit, I'd say. Yeah, and it's kind of reflective of why there was nothing on Fred Hoiberg's end of it, where uh, you know they didn't have anything in writing because they didn't need anything in writing. I think it was pretty much understood that uh, they needed to be better, and you know you don't need a set win total to say you're going to have your job or not uh, in that situation. So I don't think so. Uh, I would probably put that. Uh, I agree with you, Sip. It's probably a, a little bit more reflective of what the relationship and trust level was between Trev Albert. It was and just kind of petty. Frost, where yeah, I mean like, like no, I need I need this in writing, so I don't I don't want you pulling anything sneaky behind my back if, in case right. I I do enough and then you say it's not enough. Like I want it in mm. writing. Like that mm-hmm. that I think kind of pulls back the curtain as much as anything. Like yeah. the surprise isn't the metric itself, the fact that it had to be written out to say six games in a bowl or six wins in a bowl game uh, that will save your job I mean, in writing. Did anybody think the metric was going to be if you win five, you're good? I mean, I I, I no. think no. maybe the metric, the people would have thought, oh, maybe it would have said seven, eight, nine wins or something crazy. but Not nine. Not nine. Not eight. The, the, let's get down to it. It's seven. That would be the critical number. 
it what would it be seven? Uh, what's realistic? I mean, I think realistically, realistically, Frost would have had to win seven or eight, right? Forget the metrics. I think he would have had to win seven. Which is it's not out of line. The the Vegas over under on Nebraska was what seven and a half. Yeah. Am I wrong? I mean, is that that's what I would. And if I were Frost, that's what I would have been thinking. And the other part of this discussion is. I don't think anybody on that staff would say, you know what, we just want to win six this year yeah. and, and skirt by and keep our job. Frost is a competitive guy. Six wouldn't have been satisfying to him at all. Especially with this schedule. This is the right. easiest schedule Nebraska's had since Frost had been here. And so the table was set for them to at least get to that bare minimum. I think I I set the bar low at six and six. I talked myself into seven and five. And so that's more than realistic. Oh, yeah. uh, I think everybody should have been on board with that. Yeah. You're listening here to the Oscar Online Show as we talk bi-week storylines. A few other things going on, and I'll hit on this uh, in the opening headlines. Malachi Coleman from Lincoln East will be making his announcement this week, um, and he'll be doing it at the high school on Saturday at 5 o'clock. I'll be there. Greg Peterson will be there. Uh, we'll have complete coverage of Malachi Coleman's commitment announcement on Husker Online, and I, oh, I think wow. uh, he's going to go to Nebraska. I think I think most people expect that's the case. Um, he's attended all four home games this year, has not visited anywhere else during this regular season. Nebraska's the only official visit he's taken. Um, he's done some unofficial trips out to like Oregon, and uh, he's visited, I believe, Oklahoma unofficially. Um, but I, I think Nebraska's in a really, really good spot with Malachi Coleman, and Mickey Joseph is, is a big reason why. Saturday at 5 p.m. Lincoln East High School. Interesting. Catered by Muchachos. There you they're, go. They're, uh, they're the co-hosts with, with the event. What kind of food are we talking about there? <laughs> Robin? Burritos. Burritos. Remember, they did the pipeline burrito with oh, all yes. the offensive linemen. So, uh, But with Malachi, I think if this holds true, <laughs> I think uh, you're, you're looking at this as a real credit to the job Mickey, Joseph, and the staff have done to continue to recruit. I mean, they... They're not selling him on we're going to be here next year for sure. They're not giving him any guarantees about what they're doing, but they've been continued to actively prioritize him, recruit him uh, in the manner that has kind of kept this thing headed in the right direction. So assuming they can close the deal, uh, I think that's a real testament to the work this staff, despite the circumstances, is putting in to recruiting. And that's what Mickey said right from the jump. He said, you know, we're going to recruit like we're going to be here. You know, like it would be a disservice to the program, to the fans and all that uh, to not do that. And so uh, getting a guy like Malachi Coleman, even though he's right in your backyard, I still think that's that's a pretty good feather in the cap of um, what this staff has been all about since they took over. And recruiting will be happening this week for the bye week. Uh, Nebraska practice this week, Tuesday, Wednesday, um, coaches are going to be out on the road uh, Thursday and Friday. And, and we continue to get asked this question. It was asked in the Red Sea Scrolls, why aren't they practicing every day? I mean, I think there's this old school mentality that on the bye week you practice every day and you go full pads, do two-a-days. Uh, number one, they would never do that. But number two, they are limited in what they can do. Um, they can only technically have five practices over their two bye weeks combined. And they went three practices on bye week one. I believe this week they're going two. Um, and then the coaches will recruit Thursday, Friday. The big thing I'm watching on the recruiting front, guys, is William Watson, the quarterback. Um, he visited um, Virginia Tech over the weekend for their game against Miami. And this was Mark Whipple's longtime guy that he's known since seventh grade. Uh, but they will have Mike Cassano going out on the road to, to check in on William Watson here this week. 
Um, now, Mickey's going to be down in Atlanta to see Barry Jackson, and they're going to go out to Arizona. Mickey is, uh, and Donovan Riola will be with him. Uh, they're going to swing by Castile High School, where Bobby Newcomb's the head coach. And one of Bobby's sons, the standout um, player Nebraska's offered there. Hmm. Um, so they're going to visit him, and uh, they'll, they'll stop by a school named Chandler, Arizona, that has a very, very good player on their team. Who's that? Come on, Dil, uh, Dylan Raiola. Yeah, but they, they have other guys. I mean, Chandler's a top 10 national program, but yeah. I believe they'll swing by Chandler out there too. So wow. um, not necessarily – you can't make an in-home visit right now. You're, you're just going around places. But Mickey will be out in Arizona and Atlanta, um, and they will see William Watson. So after this week, they will have seen or watched all 13, and if Malachi Coleman commits, all 14 of their commits in person in the regular season. So Malachi Coleman, back to that, break that down a little bit more. I mean, he's committing – you think he's committing to Nebraska, understanding that this staff might not be there next year. Is he committing to the school, basically? I think so. I mean, he's a Lincoln guy. and um, Or do you think he's got assurances that Mickey will be here no matter what? Well, he's Hello? Had, it, I don't know. I don't know if Trev Alberts or anyone can make those assurances, but I think most people feel if there was like an odds board of a coaches that will be back next year on the staff. Mickey's the top of the board. Am yeah. I wrong with that? No, no question. No question. No. So, yeah, I think if Mickey is not the head coach and he wants to come back here, he'll. I believe he'll have the opportunity to, and that's not even known who the coach is going to be yet. Well, and I think that goes to say that he's got the opportunity, and it's also one that maybe he's seriously considering that if he's offered that spot he's going to take it and because there's been discussion i know in the chat this week uh there was a lot of questions of if mickey isn't the guy would he get a head coaching job somewhere else right and so maybe this kind of shows where his interest level is at staying at nebraska and mickey joseph brought guys like trey palmer to nebraska we're going to hit on trey palmer and his big game next uh you're listening here to the husker online show you're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I need I need rest. You know, we, we all need it, but I know for sure uh, health is the main thing at quarterback. You know, taking hits and landing on both my shoulders uh, as a throwing quarterback, it's not ideal. You know, you see guys all around college football. Bryce Young, uh, Aiden O'Connell played tonight with a rib injury. Um, so guys are banged up, but, you know, taking hits and landing on, on both my shoulders, uh, you know, kind of wearing some extra padding on them underneath. But, um, yeah, I mean, once the adrenaline wears off, the soreness kicks in, and uh, I definitely need a bye week at this time. You know, all week I was thinking about this game, but also looking forward to the bye week being able to uh, rest my arm and just take care of my body for sure. So it came at a perfect time. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett. You just heard from quarterback Casey Thompson uh, as he needs rest. Um, we all need rest, by the way. These, these night games, um, two weeks in a row on the road, um, working late, traveling, um, good timing for the bye week for everybody and great timing as well for you to get into Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill uh, to watch football this weekend. Uh, you, you can get in there on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Not only football, baseball, yeah, basketball, not basketball yet. Volleyball will be on, uh, Husker Volleyball, and they'll have all that on. So You can watch the Dodgers. Do- oh, <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Come on wow. now. Sip's trying to get himself fired. First year on the job. Yeah. Sheesh. All right. Now, low <laughs> blow. Low blow. But, yeah, get in there and watch all the action, not the Dodgers. Tanner Sports Bar and Grill, 30th and Yankee Hill Road. I may slip in there Saturday after I get done covering the Malachi yeah. Coleman announcement, get some wings and get some wings. catch the night games. But uh, Tanner Sports Bar. All right, let's get into the game a little bit more on the offense. Um you saw the way they played. Once again, the protection issues were 
troubling in the first half. Nebraska gave up four sacks. Uh, but I don't, I'm not sure I've seen too many games like this on offense, guys, with Trey Palmer and the show that he put on. 237 yards receiving, 297 scrimmage yards in the game. So the most receiving yards ever in a game, I believe it was the fourth or fifth most scrimmage yards ever in a game um, at Nebraska. And, you know, he's leading the country, Robin, in receiving yards right now. Another stat, courtesy of the Big Ten Network, that popped up mm-hmm. uh, prior to recording was uh, this century, the most scrimmage yards per touch by a Big Ten player in a single game Trey Palmer now has the record with 37.13. The next closest, Selwyn Lyman in 2006 from Purdue with 29.75. So almost eight full yards ahead of the record for scrimmage yards per touch in a single game by a Big Ten player. So, I mean, just another layer to how incredible that performance was by Trey Palmer something we haven't seen in a long time no would it be would it be going too far to say it was breathtaking at times at times yeah I certainly thought, I thought the 60 yard re- the reverse the was rever- big yeah I thought the way he ran by people was breathtaking yeah that they couldn't they couldn't run with him uh-uh. like the, the the speed difference between Trey Palmer straight line and Purdue's DBs Ooh. no matter how many times they tried to put a safety over the top it didn't matter he was running right by him yeah He's a, yeah, ten two speed is that what you say, Sean? Um, that, that's what he's been clocked at. Um, I, I read some, somebody said ten four, but I know Mickey has told me and Trey has told me ten two. And he was a great baseball player. Could have been drafted by the Dodgers. Uh, chose to go to play in LSU. He was a five star. And you know, we, we always we always talk about what's a five star look like. That's a five. That's star. a five star. When when you know he's going to get it, and you're trying to stop him, and he's still running by you. And I asked him, I go, "What did you tell that guy?" Because after he scored on one of his touchdowns, well, yeah. he taunted the guy, and he's like, "Dude, you suck." <laughs> <laughs> he's honest. Gotta love that. And hey, so we were we we're talking about this about what and Sean too about what Trey being at Nebraska and what he's done so far, what that reflects on with Mickey and the fact that Mickey's the reason he's here mm-hmm. and he's the one that has helped develop him, mm-hmm. not only here at Nebraska, but back when he was at LSU. And so uh, the product you're seeing now is a direct byproduct of Mickey Joseph's recruiting and his coaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say that receiver room in general is a strength. And, you know, if you're – and I'm not saying that we're in a camp or – whatever but if you're in mickey's camp that that camp that would like mickey to be the head coach it's a big selling point i mean he's got he recruited the best player on the team the receiver group is good that's mickey's room he's responsible for palmer and he's responsible you sean what you say he's responsible for marcus washington marcus washington and and i i really think to an extent casey did you say casey thompson i did not but i think he was a huge part of casey because I, we can talk about this now, but the head coach really wasn't involved. Casey said as much. The former head coach, Scott Frost, really wasn't that involved in Casey's recruitment. Like, their conversation didn't come until in the final moments. And so that was always a bizarre deal there that Frost wasn't, like, heavily involved in the recruitment of Casey. And, you know, on Big Red Wrap-Up this week, Sam McEwen brought up a really good point, I thought. He said that Casey, he thinks, is playing better because he's got a better relationship now with with the head coach, Mickey Joseph, the way they dialogue and talk, where Casey didn't have a great dialogue with Frost before, and and, and that's something that you can kind of observe just kind of watching them talk and, and interact on the sidelines. Yeah, maybe. I, yeah, I, yeah, I suppose. I think it's important that he has dialogue with, with Whipple, too, and I think that's pretty good, too. 
Um, yeah, I didn't. I hadn't thought about it that way. That makes sense. That makes sense. Now, see, Mickey. The reason they Mickey's known that family forever because Mickey visited the Oklahoma. Okay, Mickey is 55, 54, and he, so he was a player at Nebraska in the mid-'80s. But before he committed to Nebraska, he visited Oklahoma. Charles Thompson was there. Charles, was his host. Charles Thompson was, was Mickey's host. That's, that's Casey's father. So, yeah, the families have known each other forever, ever, forever. Now, um, a big storyline, too, guys, the offensive line. <laughs> and we got to hit on that here in the final parts of our headlines for offense. Is there anything at this point – they can do over a bye week to repair this at all. Like they, they've kind of tried several combinations. I mean, and the only thing we haven't really tried or they haven't tried is Brant Banks as a starting left tackle, maybe moving Corcoran to right tackle or moving Corcoran to guard. Um, but everything they've tried, we're still kind of seeing the same results. But in the second half, they, they did play better. Um, yeah. they, they, at least they protected Thompson enough not to allow a sack and to allow a lot of those big plays to happen. Well, that's that was going to be my answer. From a personnel standpoint, they've they've done it all. And so, you know, you you know what you have at this point with your roster, but what they did differently uh, was schematics. They've and Mickey said as much. They left extra blockers in to help with pass protection. They called I think some different types of plays uh, to you know keep Casey uh, from having to sit there with the ball in the pocket. Uh, they moved him around a little bit um, outside of the pocket to help uh, just buy some more time. So. I think that's your answer. I think it's yeah. schematics. I yeah. think you can coach your way around a bad offensive line um, far more than trying to just continue to move pieces around and hope that you find the right combination. <laughs> yeah, and you just hope those guys – I mean, the confidence is a big issue. I, I think you try to continue to inject confidence in them. Now, here's the deal. If I was one of those guys, the offensive lineman, I'd say, hey, we scored 37 points. Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't that what, – what, what do you want? I mean – but it, it, it's a but little they false. Still couldn't run the ball, and they still gave up four sacks in the first right. half, which was a season high for Purdue. Right? I mean, how and many games can you win with eighteen minutes of time of possession? Well, that's that's the counter. I mean, it was a kind of a weird game, right? Extremely. It, it, it was Trey Palmer getting behind the secondary. It wasn't. You can't really credit the offensive line, except you can't say, well, they gave Casey time to hit those long passes. Mm-hmm. So. And yeah, so, so what points. they were doing schematically, they helped buy time in the pocket for those routes to develop. Right. So yeah. that's that's why I say that's that's the only answer left. Yeah, I don't want to sound, it's hard to really defend the offensive line right now. But it, I one way to do it, I guess, would be to say we scored thirty seven yeah. against a pretty good defense too. That's that was a pretty good defense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Minnesota they, scored ten points against that team. They figured it out in the second half. Yeah. And so if can they continue that against one of the best defenses in the country against Illinois. Illinois is going to have their safeties about 40 yards back yeah. <laughs> against Casey Thompson. One and, for sure. And, you know, what I what I would like to see, and I don't know if it's possible, but get Tommy Hill going because he's, he's every bit as fast as Trey Palmer, maybe not quite good as point. fast. Ooh, that's a good but point. if you could get him going, and then you got to worry about point. two of those guys. That's a really good point. And, and, and over the middle, hello. Yeah, and you got Marcus Washington still. and Alante. Oliver Martin. See, here's the thing. Maybe Omar Manning does come back. I know what we do, and I think every market, I think every fan base probably does it, that you harp on the deficiencies of whatever team you follow. If you're a Nebraska fan, what I would do just to make your days brighter is is think about <laughs> <laughs> think about like if you're Ryan Walters, the Illinois defensive coordinator, if you're an Illinois fan and you're watching Nebraska, you're you would think they were saying to themselves, this team's pretty dangerous, actually. They're dangerous. They got weapons. This is a weird team. They got weapons. Um they can beat you over the top. 
They're fat. They got the guys who are fast. And Sean, you make a great point. If I were Mickey, now hopefully Mickey's listening to this because we can help him coach this team. <laughs> hopefully he's in his um, rental car right uh, yeah, now. Yeah, Mickey. In, Mickey, in listen Atlanta. to Sean and more so listen to me. Um, the, <laughs> Tommy Hill's a great idea. I mean, he's got serious downfield speed. Casey himself has alluded to it. Casey said he's a great route runner. He's really good catching a deep ball. Oh, God, yeah. If you have two guys like that, it's trouble. Yeah, because then you can't, you can't just key on one. Well, one of them's getting singled. That's the bottom and, line. And that's where – You can't double both. Because that, right? that is the formula. You could. you could, but then you're leaving everything else leaving wide open. open. Yeah. All right, when we come back, let's talk defensive storylines. Um, significant injury happened in West Lafayette. We'll hit on that and more. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You know, feel terrible for Nick. I, uh, I love that young man. I, I'll tell you what, um, really, really smart football player, physical football player. Our defense is going to miss Nick. Hopefully we can get Luke back. You know, not sure where he is, but, uh, you know, that's part of what happens in football, and particularly in the Big Ten. This is a very physical league, and it's never going to be easy, but this is a great opportunity. We've seen young men step up before uh, when needed them. You know, Malcolm out there at corner. Uh, love to see little 13 run around making plays. So, Fantastic. you know, uh, you, you worry about uh, Nick. He, uh, I talked to him a little bit, and he said, still have a great chance to lead. I'm still a captain, and I'm still going to do my part, and that's the type of young man he is. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washa. That was Athletic Director Trev Alberts, more or less confirming that captain and inside linebacker Nick Henrich is out for the season. Um, I interpreted it as that. Did you guys interpret those comments that Nick Henrich is out for the season? Yeah, I mean. We're going to miss Nick. Especially when you pair it with uh, you know the, the rumors that were flying. We've seen him crutches uh, leaving the, the stadium at Purdue. I mean, it didn't look good. And then when you get the athletic director going on the radio a la Jerry Jones style and giving injury reports saying we're going to miss Nick, doesn't look good. No, we're going to miss Nick. Yeah, that sounds like he's done. And that Nick can still lead without playing. So, ah, yeah. Um, and we don't, we, we're not, we're not going to hear from Mickey <clears throat> until Tuesday. So uh, I'm sure Mickey will address it. But I think Trev already did address that. And Luke Reimer traveled out to West Lafayette, which usually is a good sign you're going to play because they can't burn one of those 74 spots on you if you're you know not going to play and, and they made the decision not to play or not they didn't even dress Luke Reimer in that no, game no so I mean I think that shows that they brought him thinking there was a chance and then they got there and maybe evaluate him further and it just wasn't happening so huh. I mean they bur- yeah they burned a ro- the travel spot on the on that roster and they didn't do the waiver thing for anything because you do that for like guys that are out for the season or whatever. our seniors yeah our seniors so I mean uh that was I think pretty indicative of how close he was now you're talking three weeks removed from him playing a game Hopefully when they back. when they return to the field against Illinois, I'm feeling good about his chances. Are you discouraged about the defensive performance, the way they took a step back? Or do you think some of that has to do with how the offense played too? When the offense only has the ball for 18 minutes and scores in 25, 30 seconds, you know, naturally your defense is going to be on the field a lot for a lot of 75-yard possessions. You know where I'm going with this. I mean, it wasn't – See, here's the deal. You can't really cite fatigue in the first quarter when Mockaby got going quick, no. Devin Mockaby. Yeah. Um, I thought it was informative what Br- Jeff Brom said after the game where they, he said they attacked Nebraska's edges. Mm-hmm. And you saw that. They you didn't, did. hadn't seen a lot of that. And I, correct me if I'm wrong, but you hadn't seen a lot of that this year where 
it was pretty blatant that that quick pitch to Devin no. Mockaby just attacked Nebraska's edge, and yeah. it worked. I think they saw something because, yeah. I mean, our observations, and we talked about this, is a lot of times Nebraska's edges, they over-pursue, and they run themselves out of the play to where they're going straight up field, and all of a sudden you're down a player <laughs> basically at the line of scrimmage. So I think they saw that on film, and they hit it. Yep. right away, and yep. they had a lot of success with it. Maccabee's tough, too. Maccabee ran for – he ended up running for 170, I think. Um, averaged five, more than five yards a carry. That's a, that's a third-string running back, a walk-on. When it felt like O'Shawn Mathis and Garrett Nelson, they just thought, like, this is going to be my money game. We're going to go after Aiden O'Connell and just rush the hell out of the passer. And Purdue kind of countered that back with those edge runs uh, to make Nebraska pay – for their lack of discipline on the edge. And keep them honest, too. I mean, that, 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 that's a good way to keep defensive ends at bay mm-hmm. in the pass game. So when, the pass, when a pass play comes around, those guys are less apt just to fire up field. And there were a couple times where, you know. I think. I mean, I mean Nelson could not get to the quarterback. I mean, we, there was one that we watched where he, like, literally ran a circle around um, the quarterback and, you know, just got the offensive lineman just stayed with him and threw him in the dirt. I mean, it, it just yeah. – he the, the the edge guys in general just don't have the the moves or whatever you want to call it that that are getting the quarterbacks they try that outside rush move and that's just not successful no and it's on both sides too i put oshan just as guilty with that where he sometimes tries to do too much as opposed to having a, a winning move that you can just take a blocker one-on-one face him up and, and beat him with a swim or whatever uh like the other side of the ball does when Nebraska's on offense, uh, they don't have that. And they just try to out run around their blockers. Yes, and yeah. Again, it takes them out of plays. And now it's on film, and teams are recognizing that. So you can bet Brett Bielema is seeing the same film that Jeff Brom did and is going to have a way to attack that as well. So they, they got to get that figured out. Yeah, I haven't watched <clears throat> I haven't watched Garrett Nelson in pass rush situations as much as I've watched Oshan. Oshan does have an inside move. It's just not that effective. No. I, he just hasn't been effective. I mean, he hasn't been effective as a pass rusher. Uh, we wondered what that picture would look like in the Big Ten with bigger tackles, strong tackles. Um, not that there's not big, strong tackles in the Big 12, but if you watch the film from the Big 12, which I did, it was kind of striking to me. Those tackles in the Big 12 aren't as – it doesn't look like the Big Ten. No, it's tougher. Big Ten's tougher to to get around those guys. But it's not even like you know he's just getting like muscled around in the Big Ten. He's even when he tries to do a speed rush, he's not fast enough. So I mean that's kind of the concern for me is his neither his speed nor his attack moves are working right yeah, now. Not working and, right and now. It's, and again, it's it's on both sides. And I throw Caleb Tanner in there as well. I mean that was supposed to be the hallmark of this defense was that edge position oh, and wow. the production they're getting out of that group is minimal well and they look good in august from all reports but i think now we know why because they were going against tackle center and they have made <laughs> everybody go. look good there you go see i mean so people understand we get pieces of information from practice and we always try to piece it together and it's hard to do it, it really is but there are some things though that we heard like you just suggested sean that we probably should have drilled down on harder like if you're if they're if those guys are getting to the quarterback, what's that? What, what would that mean about Nebraska's tackles? Mm-hmm. Well, we're seeing what it meant, right? Yeah. And I had guys that saw the scrimmages, and they said to me, they're like, boy, we finally got guys who can get to quarterbacks. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of that was just because of the reputation. I mean, Garrett Nelson was the face of the 
program. And then Oshan Mathis was the most coveted offseason addition of the entire uh, recruiting cycle. So, I mean, like, the, the, the fact that they were good, they're supposed to be good. And so I think that kind of maybe skewed our perception of the offensive line that, you know, it's not the offensive line's fault. It's just that they're that good on the defensive side. Yeah. And in the secondary, Marquise Buford left that game, right? Yeah, he got Temporarily. Hit he yeah. came back. He played 40-some snaps. Yeah, I mean, but he was, he was limited. Usually he plays darn near the whole game. So, yeah, he played about half as many snaps as he normally does. This will be a different game this week when Illinois, they'll throw it, but you know, they're, they're probably, what, 60% run? Yes. I mean, they got the it's the nation's leading rusher, Chase Brown, against the nation's leading receiver right now, Trey Palmer. Well, they don't face each other. But, um, but in <laughs> the same right. game. Yeah, you're I right. Mean, you're I right. mean, that, that's got to be a that's, first for Nebraska. Uh, yeah, you don't see that very often. I, I, hardly at I'm all. sure Troy Edwards in 98 was the nation's leading receiver. But in 98, Nebraska didn't have the nation's leading rusher. Was that the opener, though? Yeah. Yeah, that but was the opener. Would have ended up – I mean, right. Troy Edwards was in, like – He would have been that type of player. Um, yeah, you don't, you don't see it very often. It's, and that's ex- I mean, I, if you're a fan, i got to think that's exciting. I, if, I, if I were Nebraska, I'd be pumping that up to sell those extra 200 tickets. <laughs> right? And Trev did clarify um, – you, like there's a thought that one booster bought all the tickets and that's not the case. Like somebody bought tickets. There's a, a buy tickets for veterans program. Yeah. And then obviously the, the, the red carpet program, uh, but two to 300 remain for each of the final three home games. They'll, they'll get that number. Right. For sure. Against Illinois two thirty game. Yeah. They'll that. I just take it. The reason I'm just sticking in Illinois, I just take that a game at a time, that whole conversation they'll sell out Illinois. I'm, I'm, I'm sure of that. Yeah, there's still enough momentum and optimism at this point. It's a pretty big game. It is. I mean, if you, you win think this about, game, you're right back in the right mix in the in West. That's, right back in it. Yeah, Mickey Joseph should have no trouble getting his team motivated because they can they can screw up the whole thing for Illinois. Mm-hmm. And that day, well, this week this week Purdue plays Minnesota, um, and and or excuse me, Purdue plays Wisconsin. Wisconsin's a favorite. This is things far from over. Nebraska is kind of a scary team, as we've established. They could really mess things up. If they get some stops, they're pretty good. Yeah, I mean, they can score on about anybody. Yeah. And here's the one factor, Sip. I know you've you've mentioned this, but for two, but Illinois is going to be coming off a bye week as well, and they're going to be sitting there for two weeks hearing about how they're the clear favorite in the West and how great they are and how Pats daunting the their defense, best rushing attack, you know. They're well, not used to all that. Some teams don't handle that very well. So especially we'll, we'll ones aren't used to it. Now they got to go on the road and play a Nebraska team with everything to prove. Yeah, they're not used to that. You know, they don't they're not used to all those pats no, on the No, they're back. not. All right, when we come back, we're going to take questions in the mailbag. Abby Barmore will join us next. You're listening here to the Husker Online show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. He's getting, he's getting comfortable with this conference, and he knows who can run and who can't run, and he knows how to run routes on him right now. So he's, he's doing a great job of studying the conference and studying what he needs to do. But, yes, I'm, I'm not surprised that he had this game. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was interim head coach Mickey Joseph on Trey Palmer's performance here. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett as we bring in Abby Barmore for the mailbag. Lots of questions, Abby, this week. Where are you going to start us off at? All right, I have a two-parter to start us off. So the first part of the question is, who's going to the draft this year? And we have a few people that are at the top of our list, you know, Trey Palmer, Garrett Nelson, Casey Thompson. So who are you thinking on these guys and a couple of others? Is the draft in Kansas City? Yes. So is that the question? Are we going to Kansas City? Yes. No. I've got multiple groups of friends. Oh, is that the draft? That are going or that's to the question? 
What? Are we going or who's going to be picked in the draft? The, the actual question is who's going to be picked. Sean <laughs> doubled down. <laughs> and, yes, I, I'm going to do everything in my power to go to the draft. I've always wanted to go to a draft. It's in Kansas City. I have zero excuses. You have zero That's excuses. That's road trip. I have zero interest. Um, <laughs> I'll watch it on TV. We'll do a uh, post-game show. <laughs> By the way, we're going to get... So you're requiring I go. Yeah, well, I can go if you want me to. <laughs> You're the boss. I'm sure local ra- – well, there won't be – I don't know. If, as far as who's going to go in the draft, uh, I think Travis Volkolek, Garrett Nelson, O'Shawn Mathis, Trey Palmer. I mean, those are the four guys in no particular order that I, w- I would start Does with. Anthony Grant got a shot? Mm, Maybe. No. I don't think so. I don't think he's a draftable guy. He's got too many miles on his on his legs. You know, that that's uh, his age, the amount of carries he has under his belt. I just – I think that's too much. Now, he might – Work his way into a camp somewhere, but I don't think he's draftable. You say O'Shawn pretty confidently. Mm, I mean, premium position. Premium position, the body work he had at TCU, and then he's the type of guy that I think when he tests, like workouts, combine, pro day, whatever it is, uh, he's going to show out. And they're going to see his frame, they're going to see his uh, athleticism, and he's going to rise back up boards because he's, he's obviously proven it on the field at TCU. Maybe they'll look at Nebraska as well. He was just in a in the wrong fit. I was. We were asked. We were asked on the live chat um, what round we think Trey Palmer would go in, and I said fourth or fifth. What do you guys think? I said day three. I day think it's forty forty seven. Like, if he goes to the combine and runs like the fastest forty or something, that that's going to really help. Yeah, he keeps getting. 200 yards receiving in the Big Ten play, yeah. He's See, but you say day three. Yeah, I think day three. If you're a point. scout, though, and you're like, look at what he's done. Nebraska's not a good team, and look what he's doing and helping their team. Fourth round wide – I mean, when I say day three, fourth round wide receiver is really good. Like, I mean, you're talking about, like, all conference level players. Like, Rondell Moore was barely a fourth round. Yes. Right. So, I mean, t- take that for what it's worth. Okay, so based on who you think is going to the draft and moving on, what are going to be some of the biggest needs from the transfer portal? Mm-hmm. Offensive, offensive line one or two like starting level O linemen they're going to get Prohaska back and they're going to get Nuri Nuelli back and you would think those two guys could start again now Nuelli I question what kind of shape will he be in when mm-hmm. he comes back you know how motivated has he been to keep himself right during the suspension season uh, so that's an that's a while and who's the O line coach going to be next year too um, so there's a lot of those things we don't know but they're going to need more linemen period um yes i think like if you know if they lose palmer you're always looking for big play big play skill players out mm-hmm. of the portal i think you'd still be looking for that both see what that, aj allen does right both that running back yeah what, what do you think about aj allen what do you think he could transfer i mean he's a four for four guy that uh-huh. you know, preserved his red shirt uh he showed that he is an elite level back uh with an extremely high ceiling uh, they're going to be calls. He's going to get a lot of interest uh, about what maybe going somewhere else. Which kind of Mickey comes in. Yeah, and Brian Applewhite too. Yeah, yeah, that exactly. So yeah, where else would the portal? You know what I do? You know, you know what I would be looking at? I'd probably, I'd be looking inside linebacker depth, mm-hmm. inside linebacker depth, mm-hmm. um, and maybe even a guy that can come in there and shake things up. I mean, you look at, like, for instance, Iowa's Jack Campbell. Look at Jack Campbell's size, 6'5", 246. Then look at Nebraska linebacker's size. I mean, those guys are, are 220, 6'1", 6'1", 220. Campbell, 6'5", 
246. I would be looking for more size at inside linebackers. Yeah, and, and Hendricks and Reimer have been hurt. Right. Like every I, every I year. Think a lot of the reason they're hurt every year is because of you know, big they're bigger size and they yeah. play seven hundred snaps a year. Right. <laughs> Other than that. <laughs> oh, that's, that's right. Yeah, and they're talented guys. They're they, talented. They look good in the first game or two of the year every year, but then as the, the, the wears well, on, well, their body on. gets beat up. Yeah, it gets beat up. Reimer's been very productive, though. I mean, he led the team in tackles last year, is leading it again this year, and I think he's probably their best defensive player. I'm not, I'm not saying they – I'm not downgrading Reimer. Reimer's played well. But I think he's their, be, he's their best defender right now because what he does sideline to sideline. Mm-hmm. Which coach has a better chance of being obtained by their athletic director, Mickey Joseph or Jim Leonard? Oh, Jim Leonard. They, yeah, they, no question. Yeah, Jim Leonard. It's a way different situation, Abby. Jim Leonard, a lot of people at Wisconsin would like to just name him now. They've lost some guys to the portal. There's recruiting issues. Um, it's, a, it's, a much different, it, it's a much different situation there. They – they put him in in that chair to be the head coach. They're not wondering about it. He would have to really screw it up. Yeah, to, part of the reason why they coach. fired Christ was so they made sure they re- they kept Jim Leonard and yeah. didn't let him get courted by other schools. Right. Yeah, it'll be Jim Leonard. By the way, it's pretty amazing. Nebraska only had one player enter the portal in that thirty day window. When you see what Wisconsin and some other teams have had, they've had a lot of guys going. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um, I don't know what it suggests that I don't know it, but it's a good sign. All right, Abby, it looks like we have time for a few more. What do you got? Would you anticipate any additional staff changes this week or for the rest of the season? To be determined. Yeah, I mean, no, no, you never rule it out because this is a crazy year and crazy time, and uh, there's, there's always a lot of moving parts involved here. But, I mean, I, I'd be surprised at this point personally. But, you know, again, you never say never. Top three reasons why the offensive line has been so bad when it's littered with four-star talent. Well, they're not particularly athletic. I mean, I know that'd be one. You guys can add two and three. I'm going to say in August, uh, when I watched those practices, you know, we got to watch two practices. And we got about 40 minutes. Stretchings. Yeah. Well, no, we saw more than that. Individuals. Yeah, we saw individuals. And I, I... I'm not Milt Taniper, but I, but I, <laughs> but I walked away from that saying I'm not. They're not very athletic up front. They're mashers, and I, I said it several times on the radio. They look like mashers. It looks like it should be a good run blocking unit, but I don't know how they're going to be in pass protection because those those tackles, you know, it was Ben Hart every day in Prohaska. They're 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 gigantic, but they don't move that well, mm. you know, so. And that's kind of the way the whole line is. So I wondered about their athleticism, and it, and it's and it's proven to be not very good. The tackle play in general, yeah. I, I just don't know how it can be any worse um, with the numbers and, and the grades show that the hurries allowed show that if you do so, like you can do kind of all Power Five players in one database on Pro Football Focus. And Nebraska last year had the worst tackle play by far in the country, and, and it's got to be on par again at this year as well. And another thing you got to keep in mind is guys, recruits are given star rankings, not just on how good they are right then, but on their potential at the next level. And so where what's happening between the time they're committing to Nebraska and the time they're playing at Nebraska? They're not getting better, and in some cases they're getting worse. Mm-hmm. For me, that is all on development. Mm-hmm. The lack of offensive line development in Nebraska – I've said this many times before, has been the number one issue 
holding this program back. Ooh, hello. Hello. Well, I'm not, I don't and it goes well beyond this this previous staff, too. I mean, it's been a long time. You know, Kavanaugh, I thought... Especially at the tackle position. I thought Kavanaugh went under Riley's, in the Riley tenure, was okay. Um, okay. Okay. As a, I can only go, that's as far as I okay can Okay ain't going to get it done in the no, Big Ten. No. All right, final question, Abby. What is the best sit-down meal in Lincoln? Outside of Tanner's, obviously. Obviously. Tavern 1A. <laughs> <laughs> That's the uh, Tanner's uh, sister restaurant. But uh, I'll, I have one. Go ahead. Uh, man. I mean, Casa Bovina. Yeah, I haven't been yet. Is, is pretty dang hard to beat if you can go there. I mean, it's like a once a year occasion type place. But other than that, I mean, you, you can't beat Laszlo's. I think Laszlo's is consistency. Consistent. Like, if I've got some people coming down to the Haymarket, I want to go to a place to sit down. That's where we go usually. Yeah, because everybody's going to find something they like there. You know, it's got a diverse menu. Steaks. You know it's going to be good. Everything. Good beer. <laughs> you know what? Go ahead, Rob. Uh, I'll throw in, um, you know, it depends on what you're into. I like the oven. I like Blue Orchid. I like. Fancy. I like Momo's. I like Venue. Momo's is good. So See, this is where the old man has to come in. I mean, and, and represent Havelock. <laughs> Misty's in Havelock is still. I've, I've, I've gone there twice in the last month and it's it's spectacular i mean it, and it's old school it's dark um it's i, I don't know and it you get the excellent. sob steak right the sweet old bob sirloin no i don't get the sweet old bob <laughs> sirloin um i just yeah i just got it i think i got an eight ounce sirloin. <laughs> i thought that's the sob there. I, it doesn't say that on the menu but maybe that's what it is <laughs> um I, I i um no I, everything's good about it i mean every everything's good about it crisp lettuce You've been on Good an outback. You've been Good on ranch. Hey, you've been on an outback run though too, right? A little bit, yeah. I two times in the last month. A lot of steak. I've been going heavy on steak for some reason. All those workouts. I don't know what it is, but I, but yeah, outback is hit and miss. Um, uh, Missy's and Havoc is not hit and miss. It's always good. Where are you going, Abby? Yeah, well, my favorite was always La Paloma, but okay. they closed La that. Paloma. It was terrible. I will never get over it. Um, but now I guess we go to Rosie's a lot. So okay. that's Robin's uh, office. They have great wings. Shout out Rosie. Do they? There. Do they, they yes. do? Fantastic wings. Yes. Where's this at? Over by the penitentiary. Okay. On, uh, off Highway Two. <laughs> okay. Very familiar with the area. Hey, hey, hey! Now wait a second. Really good wings. Yeah. Because I love wings. I love wings. Yeah, hey, their whole menu wings. is sneaky good. Simple. Okay. There's a downtown one too. Okay. I know you don't like to cross O if you don't have to. There is one downtown. <laughs> I wonder if they have the same. We've like, been trying to get you. We finally got you to Tanner's for that big preseason dinner, but we've been trying yeah. to get you to get Tanner's wings for months. Yeah, I need to do that. I need to do that. I never yeah, get do. down that way. You do. I don't All get right. south very often. All right, let's talk Big Ten games. We'll close the show next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And uh, we just look at it as a bumper in a row. We dealt with a lot already. So it's best to just be uh, persevering and just, you know, just keeping that high hope and trying to get better. No, there's no uh, time to sit back and mope or anything. So just moving forward is one of the biggest things we can do and will do. Final segment of the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Stephen Sippel, Robin Washett. That was O'Shawn Mathis. Uh, giving some thoughts after Purdue game. Um, let's talk Big Ten, though, and go through last week's results, and we'll get into this weekend's game. Um, Illinois, another big win, 26-14. They were underdogs to Minnesota, won the game. Tanner Morgan taken out of that game in an ambulance after getting accidentally punched in the head uh, when a Illinois defender was trying to strip the ball. 
Um, so his status is unknown going forward. Michigan, 41-17. Um, that was a game that the Wolverines were only up 16-14 to at the half. They put up over 400 yards rushing on James Franklin's defense. Maryland gets a, a close, tight win over Indiana, 38-13. Uh, Tagovailoa, the quarterback, battling injury now this week going forward. Um, his status unknown. Michigan State, Mel Tucker, uh, the $9 million man, gets a big one over Jimmy Leonard, 34-28 in that game. Braylon Allen, 29 carries, 123 yards. Um, it, I watched that game and went to overtime. It felt like Wisconsin should, should have won that game. They didn't. Um, and then obviously Nebraska, 43-17, losers at Purdue. Thoughts on the weekend, guys? Yeah, I mean, the, the big one, um, obviously, was for me was Illinois. Uh, the fact that they made that statement win um, against Minnesota. Uh, I think, I can't remember, were they favored in that game? Um, Minnesota was Minnesota favored. Was yeah, Minnesota favored. was favored, and Illinois by over By over a touchdown, but DeVito played, and I don't think people knew that DeVito was going to play. Tommy DeVito, the Illinois quarterback. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that that was a statement game. Uh, as far as the wide open West, Illinois made uh, made their case to be considered the favorite in the division, so um, they, they kind of opened a lot of people's eyes, not only around the conference, but around the country. Yeah, Top 20 team. Yeah, Illinois, what you see on Illinois is obviously Chase Brown is, a, is formidable. DeVito's good. What they are is very strong up front on both sides. I mean, you really notice their D-line is, is going to be an issue, a big issue. They're, they're athletic all over the defense. Uh, the game that really impressed me the most was Michigan, yeah. as Sean mentioned, rushing for 418 yards against a Penn State defense that hadn't allowed 400 yards total all season. It was a good Penn State run defense. Michigan buried it. Michigan... I cannot wait till Michigan beats Ohio State again this year. I mean, that it would not surprise me no, at all. No, Michigan can do it again by controlling the ball like they did last year. Michigan is big and ornery up front, and they got one of the best running backs in the country. Well, and Dylan Quorum. Edwards had 16 carries for 173. Edwards is good, too. Blake Quorum had 28 for 166 yeah. on the same team in the same game. Yeah, Jimmy's Against a good him. rush defense. Jimmy's got him going in Ann Arbor. All right, let's get into the Week 8 games. Um, call him Jimmy. Jimmy. <laughs> for Nebraska, obviously, on by. There are four teams not playing this week in the Big Ten. So we just have five games, guys. Okay. Um, let's go 11 a.m. windows first. Um, you'll have the BTN 11 a.m. game, Indiana, Rutgers. Um, that's the uh, – the Rutgers is a, a three-point favorite over the Hoosiers. Uh, but the other big noon kickoff game – is Iowa at Ohio State, 29-point underdogs are the Hawkeyes in Columbus. I don't know if I ever have seen a line that high in Kirk Ferentz, ever. I think, I think it's the largest since Nebraska uh, in 2000 or whenever they played, or 90. The, they had Crouch, when yeah. Nebraska had Crouch. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think Scott Docterman okay, tweeted that. that. That's an incredible so amount of points. The, the largest spread against Iowa in over 20 years. Because the way Iowa plays, it's hard to beat them by that many points. Um, you've got Maryland, almost a two-touchdown favorite at home against Northwestern. Then Purdue at Wisconsin. That's kind of a sneaky big game in the West. That game's on ESPN. The Badgers are favored over the Boilermakers by two and a half. And then the night game on ABC, Minnesota, with questions surrounding Tanner Morgan, will travel to West or to State College to take on Penn State. Penn State only a four-point favorite in that game. Which is strange. That's their whiteout game. So, I mean, as we know, when you play the whiteout game at night in State College, uh, that's a daunting atmosphere. And so Minnesota's 
they're up against it right now with the questions around Tanner Morgan. I mean, if he doesn't play, they're in trouble. Uh, I mean, he's he hasn't been great, but I just their their passing game is already struggling. And Almond Bell's out. Yeah. And you, so I mean, they're, they're they they could be in for it. I mean, either way. Yeah. Interesting. Wisconsin is a favorite against Purdue. Um, now that's partly because Wisconsin has beaten Purdue 15 straight times. Wisconsin owns a has won 15 straight games. That's not at home. That's overall. So that probably helps explain that line. It's still kind of curious to me why Wisconsin would be a favorite against Purdue. That's a definitely an interesting game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I look at the games, though, I mean, I, I, Ohio State's going to win. Maryland's going to win. I, I Purdue's a toss-up. I'd be shocked if Penn State loses. I would, um, too. They're but, not great. That's not a great slate, by the way. We don't do picks this week because Nebraska's not playing, but I would pick Purdue to beat Wisconsin. Would you guys pick Purdue or Wisconsin in that game? I'd have to think about it just because uh, the history, you know, and the fact that you know, Wisconsin looked pretty good last week. Yeah, Wisconsin know? loses to Michigan State, but they, they were shocked they lost. Yeah, I mean, I mean they, they should have won that game. Yeah, they were th- – th- Wisconsin was in shock. I would, I would compare it to the way Nebraska came out of the Northwestern game in shock. So I still think Wisconsin's playing, although there's a lot of issues there. I'd be inclined to pick Purdue – from what I've listened to in Wisconsin's camp, which is Jim Leonard saying, you know, I got to figure out who's in and who's out. Right. You know, they're still having, I mean, that's still a situation where there's an interim coach. There's been some tumult. Um, I'd probably lean on Purdue, but I will tell you this. I was not that impressed with Purdue. I, I wasn't, I about what I kind of expected in a way. Remember, they beat Minnesota. They did. It was twenty to ten. But look, look, Minnesota doesn't look like much at, at this point. Mm. Um, ah, the West. The only thing to say about the West is it's down. And that's it, that's the other reason. I, I just don't know who's good. Yeah, well, I don't know who's good in the West. Nobody's particular. And that's the disappointing thing if you're a Nebraska fan right now. I mean, the, the West has never been more attainable in year five of what should have been Scott Frost's fifth year. Lincoln Absolutely. Than it is right now. That's but. the only way to say it, Sean. It's, all right. It's really disappointing. Well, make sure if you miss us, um, you can download all of our podcasts on the Husker Line podcast channels, anywhere you can find podcasts. We also put our Monday Night Rundown show on there, which has become very popular, all of our postgame shows. Like and follow our YouTube page as well. And check out HuskerOnline.com. Get one year for $10 on the On3 network. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.